0: Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. All right, I'm on the live feed now, okay? We've got some people watching. Not many people are commenting. I see you watching. You need to comment here and let us know that you're with us. So I see you online, and uh, I'm glad that you are with us. Again, there's a little bit of a delay, but I, I want to play a game even with this delay. Now, how I want to do that is uh, I want to play Name That Tune, a different kind of version of it, because w- maybe for copyright reasons and such, we won't play uh, a large portion of the song, but I'm going to read some of the lyrics. and As I say these lyrics, when you know the name of the song, I want you to type it into the comments. So when you know the name of the song, even with this 10-second delay, I I want you to type it in the comments, the name of the song. All right, you with me? You with me? Like it, hi, hello, you're with me. And I I can see myself looking sharp today. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay, so I see you. Hello. Hi, Bev. Hey, Miss June, Chad, Bill. Okay, some of you are watching. Let's see if we can get the name of this song. I'm going to go back here, some of the lyrics, and there's some crazy lyrics, little scary lyrics. Here's some of the song. When I'm in the shower, I'm afraid to wash my hair. You know it yet? When I'm in the shower, I'm afraid to wash my hair because I might open my eyes and find someone standing there. You got the song yet? Anyone, anyone? Not seeing. All right? People say I'm crazy, just a little touch, but maybe showers remind me of psycho too much. Anyone know the name of this? This is an old school song. let's see I don't, I don't I'm not seeing anyone know it yet. I'm gonna type it. I know it. Okay, here we go. Those are the one of the part of the verse, but then we get to the chorus, the infamous chorus, and it goes, that's why." All right. That's awesome. Okay. So we're in, in this live stream world right now. There's only three people or four people in, in the gym, the room. And Nick is in the very back, like way back in the corner. He's got headphones on and he was singing the song. So I knew when it was playing. It was awesome. Now I will tell you, Michael Jackson sounded a whole lot better than Nick did on the course, but I give him credit. He was busting it out in the back. Okay, But that was Michael Jackson singing the chorus, but that was this uh, artist named Rockwell. I couldn't tell you another song that Rockwell did, but it's kind of this creepy song. Somebody's watching me. That's why I feel like someone is watching me. That's a very, very creepy thought. But there's a lot of truth to that sentiment because you felt that before. Right? You, you have probably uttered the name of some product, and then all of a sudden you get 20 emails about it. You might even get a mailer about this product that you just mentioned. You're like, who in the world is watching me? Who's listening to my conversations? Right? We've kind of felt that before. But even more so, listen to this. People that don't believe in Jesus are always watchful of those that claim to believe in Jesus. People that don't know Jesus are are wanting to see if this thing's real. For those that claim Christ, they're going to put eyes on you and say, is this thing real? Is there really a difference to Jesus? Is there something unique about you? Is there something that stands apart about who I am? And you know what? It's okay they're watching because maybe their curiosity will lead to life. You've heard the old saying, curiosity killed the cat. Well, curiosity can be a good thing. Uh, Moses was curious about a burning bush, went and checked it out, and he met God there. Okay, we have some people that are going to be watching us, those who claim Christ, and they're going to say, I'm curious to how you're living. What is this Jesus thing about? And maybe they meet God through you. And so as we wrap up this series in Colossians, we're going to see Paul echo this truth or speak this truth that believers are being watched. And we're in the last chapter of Colossians, Colossians chapter 4. If you have a Bible with you, uh, I would love for you to find it. Hopefully at home you've got one, Colossians chapter 4. We're going to focus today on on the very last challenge that Paul and Timothy give before the final greetings to the end of the chapter. Okay, So we're going to focus on just a couple verses, but I want to read those. Uh, Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, Live wisely among those who are not believers. And make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Okay, Paul and Timothy, we've talked about this before. They wrote Colossians or writing to a church they'd never met. Paul is the the primary writer, okay? Timothy helps him and is with him. But Paul is the primary writer and, and he tells these believers and encourages them It really kind of the last challenge that he gives to know that their faith is public and it's on display for all to see. Now there's some specific qualities or characteristics that he talks about and how to live out their faith publicly that I want us to really hone in today. As he encourages them, he's encouraging us. As he challenges them, he's challenging us. And the first thing that I see that he says is walk wisely, he tells them, okay, you got to walk wisely. That's straight from verse 5. He says, live wisely among those who are not believers. Live wisely among those who are not believers. Now, the Greek liter- literally says walk in wisdom. It says to walk it out. Now, we understand what that means, okay? How you walk is in, re- in reference to how you live. And so the challenge that he gives is to live our lives in such a way that people look at you, and they look at your life and say, wow. You are wise. You are living your life in such a wise way. You are walking in a wise manner. Now, how many times a day do you get that compliment? People look at you and say, man, you, you are so wise, so wise. I'm sure some of you, you probably get that compliment, right? Now, I know some of you, and the compliment that you're getting is that you are so smart, and then they'll reference a donkey. But I'm talking about a different type of wisdom, Right? I'm talking about people looking at you and say, you are so wise. When I was younger, I actually got that compliment occasionally. I can remember as a, a young youth pastor, 22, 23, and this is not a humble brag, but I heard people would say, you're wise beyond your years. Now, other people said other things, right? But there were some people that said, you're wise beyond your years. Now, I don't know what happened to that compliment. I don't know if I've reached the appropriate age of wisdom or, because I don't hear that, or, or maybe I'm just dumb beyond my years now. I don't know, but I don't, I don't hear that much. But this is what Paul is saying. You need to walk in a wise way and people are going to notice that. They don't have to say it, but people will notice it. So what does a wise life look like? Well, it might help us to kind of look on the opposite. What's not wise? What, what's a, 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 a life that's not filled with wisdom? Well, this week in the one-year Bible, if you're reading the one-year Bible, I love the one-year Bible. I've used it many, many years for my devotional time. I was reading through James, and it paralleled perfectly to this Colossians passage. And so I'm going to hop to James quite a bit. And if you have a Bible and you want to track with me, you can. I'll have it on this screen here. But James chapter 3, verse 13 says, If you're wise and understand God's way, prove it by living an honorable life doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. You see that? Jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So, James, the, the half brother of Jesus, says, Wisdom is not jealousy. He says, It's not selfishness. It's not boasting. It's not lying. He says that, that that's not walking in wisdom at all. In fact, if you live like that, it's not just that you're unwise, it's demonic. It's not of God, it's of the devil, it's evil. That's not a compliment. But then he goes on to show us a little bit about wisdom and what wisdom looks like. Verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure, it is also peace, loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy. And the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. So James clearly tells us that walking wisely means we're peaceful. We're gentle. We're selfless. Walking with wisdom. We have mercy. We have good deeds. We are sincere. Everyone is equal. We count everyone the same. We are all equal. Now tell me, does our world seem more evil or wise? Okay, it's not just being unwise. There's an evil aspect to it. Does our world seem to portray itself as more evil or wise? I think we could all agree primarily right now, it seems that we see a little bit more of the evil side, okay, not the wise side. We're not seeing a lot of peace. We're not seeing a lot of gentleness. And that might just be because Sometimes, uh, whoever is the loudest is who we hear, right? But there are some unwise things being portrayed today in our world. Whether that's not having a spirit of gentleness or or even a a willingness to yield to others. Maybe we don't see that a lot, but that's a big picture. The only way the big picture changes is if the small picture changes. So let's make it a little bit more personal. Are you... Walking wisely. How about you? How about the man or the woman in the mirror? Speaking of Michael Jackson, right? I'm talking about the man in... Okay, the man in the mirror. The woman in the mirror. What about you? Those characteristics that James used. James. He said, loving, gentle, willing to yield... Those characteristics, do that represent you? Does that describe you? I've seen some of you drive. You don't yield for anything. Are you willing to yield to others? That's what walking wisely looks like. And that's what the world needs to see. A world without Jesus needs to see us as selfless, as gentle, as lovers of peace. And so the bottom line is if you aren't walking wisely... You need to get into the word because the Bible is full of wisdom. And if you get in the word, wisdom will get into you. In fact, back in James, James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Now, that's the key to this whole thing. You ask for wisdom from God, and he will give it. God will give you wisdom to help you walk wisely. But when you ask, your faith must be in God. you got to believe he'll answer, and you got to believe in God, and you got to trust in him to give you that wisdom. Proverbs 9.10, this is what the scripture teaches us. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. And that's why James says, you gotta believe. If you're asking God, you gotta believe in him because fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you'll be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. So if you're gonna walk wisely, it starts with this healthy fear, reverence of the one true God. The only way to give this response to the loss is to walk wisely, and it starts with a healthy fear, a healthy reverence of who God really is, the one true God. That's the building block of all wisdom and walking wisely. So you ask God for it, and you believe him that he'll give it to you. And Paul says, people are going to watch you. People without Jesus, they're going to watch, and they want to see if you're foolish or you're evil or if you're walking wisely. Wisely, So walk wisely. But he also says this, live deliberately. We walk wisely, we live deliberately. Back in verse five, I'll give you a second to kind of process that, live deliberately. It says, live wisely or walk wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Okay, when he says make the most, it's really a, a picture of buying up or even uh, rescuing something from loss. That's the word picture that the Greek uses. It's buying up something, or rec- rescuing something that would be lost. So it was like a business that was going out of sale, and, and you, you bought all their product to buy it up or rescue it from loss, so that it wouldn't be wasted. Okay? You wouldn't want it to be wasted, and so you buy it up. I think that's what people, uh, think or ha- that, that's what people think is happening to toilet paper right now, right? They are rescuing toilet paper because it's just gonna go to waste. There's actually a pun there, probably, but I'm not gonna go there, but that's, people do that, okay. Paul says, make the most of this opportunity, buy it up. Don't let it go to waste. Seize those moments, seize that opportunity. So in verse five, the something we're to buy up is time. This word opportunity means time. Now it's not sequential time, It's not the Greek word chronos, which would be like chronological. The Greek word is kairos, which means uh, time is substance. It's not sequential. It's a substance of time. It's divine time. It's God's view of time. It's a divine moment or opportunity that is in front of you. And that's why the NLT translates it as an opportunity. Make the most of it. Okay, we're to buy up time, God's time, God's version of time. Paul, in a very similar passage, basically echoes the same thing. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. This is what he says. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Look, but like those who are what? Wise. Same idea. Walk wisely. Verse 16, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Buy it up. Use these divine moments, these opportunities for the glory of God. Take advantage of every opportunity. Don't let it go to waste. And so we see this pattern again and again. Live in a wise way. Make the most of your divine opportunities. Live with purpose. Live deliberately. Be intentional with the moments God gives you. And that's our challenge. Capture them. Capture those moments that are before you. Especially those moments when you're around people that don't believe. Because they're watching you. Don't let it go to waste. Buy it up. Use it for the kingdom. There are eyes on you. That People that don't know the Lord. Don't let that go to waste. Redeem the time for good. Rescue it for good. Live deliberately with a purpose. Guess what? James helps us understand this too. James chapter two, verse 21. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we're shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute. Is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Okay, because of our faith, we're active. We don't sit back and wait. But instead, because of our faith, we live in a deliberate fashion. We're intentional. We're purposeful with our lives. We don't let times go to waste. We buy them up. We use them for God's glory, especially around those who don't believe. You ever been to the beach and picked up some sand and i in your hand long, right? It's gonna eke out, ooze out, fall down to the ground. It's just gonna spill out as you scoop up the sand. Now, there's some beautiful white sandy beaches that that's kind of fun to do, right? But as a believer... We need to be sensitive enough and live deliberately enough that we find those God opportunity moments in those grains of sand and we pick them out and we don't let them go to waste. We hold on to them and use them for the kingdom of God, for God's glory, that we become the hands and feet of Jesus. To do that, we gotta buy it up. We gotta make the most of it. We've got to seize those grains of sand that have our name on it, and God has called us to live. So we walk wisely. We live deliberately, and then the last thing that he really highlights to them is we need to speak graciously, speak graciously. Verse six, this is back in Colossians chapter four, verse six says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Again, the context is what? Around people, that don't know the Lord. There's watching eyes, eyes that don't believe in Jesus, and Paul is encouraging these believers, hey, speak, talk, conversate in such a way that your words are winsome, they're well chosen. Use the tongue for God's glory in a way that would be attractive, that would be full of grace. James speaks to this, as well. I love it. James chapter 3 verse 3. We can make a large horse, go wherever we, wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body. The tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Whew. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, My brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. The tongue is a powerful thing. And we're not going to tame it outside of God taming it for us. But he has the power to do so. You've heard the quote before, the pen is mightier than the sword. There's a proverb, Proverbs 12, 18, that says this. And, and maybe this was kind of spurred on that quote. But Proverbs 12.18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Okay, your tongue can either build a garden or it can build a grave. Your words are powerful. What you say can be of great help and health or hurt. And destruction. We need to make sure that we are using our tongue to build gardens. And so when we read in Colossians, let your conversation be gracious and attractive, he's literally saying, your words should always be spoken in grace and seasoned with salt. It's just an interesting. Way Because when we think of salty speech, if I told you, hey, and I just said, hey, you know what Paul encourages us to do? He, he says, have salty speech. You know what I think you would probably do? It's like, salty speech? You'd think of a sailor, right? Like, I don't know if that sounds like a godly thing to do is have salty speech. But the purpose of salt is not just to preserve. It's to bring out the best in a particular food. Salt enhances flavor. And Paul is saying our speech should be gracious should bring out the best. It should bring out the best of us and the best of Jesus. All right. I don't know where we lost them, but we're still on YouTube, which is great, and we'll post the YouTube on uh, on our Facebook page. We, we were on Speak Graciously, and, and we were talking about how James says the tongue is powerful and, and how important it is to tame the tongue and that uh, it— We're talking about how powerful it is. You can build a garden or you can build a grave. But Paul is literally saying for us to to have it seasoned with salt and always full of grace. And the idea is to bring out the best, to enhance our speech. And, And what it really is enhancing is Jesus. That we are to point people to Jesus with how we conversate, how we talk, what we say, what we share. And that would allow us to have the right response. Because again, we always have people watching us. There are people that don't believe, that are watching you because you have declared. You believe. And so they want to see, are you walking with wisdom? Are you living deliberately? And how is your mouth? How you speak, what you say. I want to read another proverb. And proverbs are full of wisdom, okay? And Proverbs 15, 2 says this. It says, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing. Again, tongue wise, makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. Now that begs the question, is your speech more attractive or is it more like a belch? Is it more like a burp? What is your speech like? Is it filled with grace? Is it attractive or is it ugly? Is it gassy? Okay. Is it more like a belch? Now my wife, she hates belching. I think uh, it doesn't bother me as much, but she doesn't obviously want to hear that. And if after a meal or at the dinner table, that is a big no-no to belch. I have to remind her, hey, sometimes in culture, and there are cultures all around the world that that's a sign of respect, and it means good job with the meal. She ain't buying it. Right, she doesn't go for that. So Thanksgiving, let me just warn all of you, don't belch, right? Okay? You don't want that. But when we talk in a way that is not gracious, when We talk in a way that is not attractive. It is distasteful. It comes across as gross. It hurts the reputation of our Lord. And so we need to be careful to be gracious with what we say. But not only with what you say, but also what you type to. Your typing is an extension of your mouth. And Paul says people are always watching and even more so now there are many ways for them to do so. And we need to always be ready to represent the Lord in a powerful way. This week, even on Facebook, I've seen people who claim Christ say some horrific things, use some horrific words. I've seen Christians be so ugly about current events. Let me just encourage you. People are watching. You don't have to be fake, but you need to really go to the Lord and say, how I'm typing, which is how I'm speaking, is it gracious? Is it attractive? Is it seasoned with salt? Is it enhancing the Lord Jesus Christ and my witness of the Lord Jesus Christ? Listen, for some, for some of you, those eyes watching you, you're going to be the only Jesus they ever see their they're, they're thoughts, perception of Jesus are only gonna come from you because there's not a lot of believers around their lives and they know you as a believer and so you are representing the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, are we perfect? No, we're not perfect. But we need to think twice before we post. We need to think twice before we speak. And if we make a mistake, those watchful eyes can see us repent And say, you know what, my bad. We can confess. We can say, I'm sorry. And we can be humble. And that's okay too. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We don't have to be perfect, but we need to be understanding of the situation. And that is people are watching. And we need to live our lives in such a way to know that we are entering into these conversations with people by how we walk, how we live. How we talk. But for some of you, I want to encourage you today. You've already begun the conversation and you didn't know it. The conversation has been ongoing for a while now. You just weren't aware. Because they've been watching you. They're looking into your life. They look at how you treat your kids. How you treat your spouse. How you handle your job with integrity. The character in which you walk and live your life. It's time to be deliberate. It's time to walk with wisdom. It's time to speak with grace. It's time to represent the Lord Jesus Christ well. It's good that people are watching. When I know people are watching, and just even by nature being a pastor, there is an accountability to my life that I feel. And you need to feel that. This walk with Christ, this journey with him, is a glorious journey. And a big part of our purpose is to introduce people to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords and to represent our Savior and to be his ambassador. And so I want to encourage you today as we close, walk wisely. Walk without wisdom. Ask God for wisdom and he'll give it. Get in the word of God. Seek out wisdom. Read Proverbs. Just get in the word of God. Ask him. He'll give you wisdom. Act upon that wisdom. Don't just be a hearer of the word of God. Be a doer. Live deliberately. Have purpose to your life. Give meaning to the moments that God has already placed before you. Capture them. Seize them for the glory of God. Open up your mouth and talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you talk and conversate on a daily basis, represent him with gracious speech. With speech that is enhanced that is is seasoned with salt, that would enhance and would point people and, and speak favorably of the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, people are watching and praise the Lord for it because maybe, just maybe, there's an opportunity to step into and tell them about the God who loves, the God who forgives, the God who has redeemed them if they would put their faith and trust in him. Would you pray with me, Father? I thank you for this time together, and I pray for us that are believers, that we would take this seriously, we would take these words seriously, and we would walk wisely, live deliberately, and speak graciously. Father, help us to represent you well, to be your ambassadors, to be clothed with Christ, and to walk in a manner worthy of the calling we have received. Father, thank you so much that we're able to gather this way. In your name I pray. Now listen, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, would you please do that? As a church, we'd love to help you out. Really, it's you asking God to come into your life and saying, God, I believe in you. I do believe. Right now, I believe. I don't understand it all, but I believe. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. You gotta admit that you messed up. And we all have. But if you you don't admit, then you're not saying you need a Savior, that you've even screwed up before, but we have. And so you admit that and you say, God, I believe, but I admit. I know I've messed up. And so would you please come in and forgive me? And he will. Just ask him, come in and forgive me of my sins. Say, I believe in Jesus. Jesus died for me, rose again. He's the Son of God. And then add something to the effect of, in the best way that I know how, I commit, I'm all in, I'm going to follow you. And if you prayed that even right now, Would you go to our website, everyday.church, click on that connect tab, and and, uh, let us know that you made that decision. Or you can message us on Facebook or comment on YouTube, a way to get a hold of you. We would love to help you be all that you can be in Jesus. If you're one of our members and regular attenders, thank you for being with us. Again, next week we're going to be online only, so we'll have no student ministry this week uh, or next Um, and and so we'll be online only just for a couple weeks here, and we'll kind of reevaluate what's happening uh, in our area and and specifically with our faith family. We're praying for you. Keep praying for your faith family. If you are going to give today, and we welcome you to do that, and I got a great uh, update on the giving, but let me tell you how to. Go to our website, everyday.church. Just give online. Easy uh, way to do that. You can do a one-time gift, or you can set up a recurring gift. Again, go to everyday.church. You can see the Give tab. Click on that, it'll be an easy way to give and worship the Lord today. As a church, we're blessing eight specifically specific families that we have partnered with the Y. The YMCA has helped us with some families that are in need for this Thanksgiving. And because of the coronavirus and all the things going on, we have just blessed them with a $100 gift card. These families, each family, to help them with thanksgiving. And so church, thank you for your faithful giving. Thankful you for this opportunity to step in to help eight specific families. And we asked the why, we partnered with them. Who would most need this? Who could we really love on and bless? And so we partnered with them. We're able to step into some eight specific situations and help some families this Thanksgiving. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. I hope you have a wonderful time. Thank you for joining us today. And we'll see you next week. God bless. This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on, and we would love to hear from you if there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us, and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless.